0: Hey, welcome back uh, to The Last of Us presented by Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm Brian from Pop Culture Leftovers. I'm also joined by Joe Stark from Pop Culture Leftovers. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. And uh, no Billy, no Jake, but she's back. Melissa Slaughter from the Wild Pretty Things podcast. Welcome, Melissa.
1: Hello. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, This is the episode to be on. I feel bad for Jake and Billy not being able to be here because like this is a I'm telling you, I think, like, you know, every once in a while, an episode of television comes out, and I think, like, everybody just kind of, like, stops for a moment and starts to talk about what an amazing episode this was. Not to say that the other two episodes weren't amazing, but this was just, like, a kind of, like, we kind of, like, it it was, like, a step back from the main plot. It's still tied in, but we just got this very intimate story about these two men within this episode, and, uh... I don't know, man. I was just captivated from the moment that we that we met uh, Bill and Frank in this episode. It's titled Long, Long Time. It's written by uh, Craig Mazin and the director on this one. Got a new director here, Peter Hoare. And Joe, this guy's done a lot of TV, a, a lot of TV that I'm familiar with, a lot of stuff that I've watched. Joe, what, what are some of the credits for Peter?
2: Uh, yeah, most recently he's done The Umbrella Academy. I did a couple episodes of that, an episode of Cloak and Dagger, a couple episodes of Altered Carbon, Runaways, Defenders, Iron Fist, Daredevil. I mean, this guy's done a, a lot of enjoyable television. Comic book stuff, and now it, now the video game stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's he's finding the genre that he's pretty good in. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, titled long, long time. I yeah, this is <laughs> – I'm not not a, I'm not I'm going to beat around the fucking bush. This is one of the best episodes of television that I've seen in quite a while. This was fantastic.
2: Yeah, absolutely agree with you. This is – I mean we the last two weeks we've been talking about how HBO has got this mega hit on their hands with this and it just keeps increasing in viewership. And then they drop an episode like this where they managed to still move the plot forward, give us really interesting stuff with Joel and Ellie – but then in the middle of all that, to just drop in this incredibly intimate story showing that during the worst of times, it's just an absolute awful time <laughs> to be alive and on this planet and be a human being. Beautiful things like love can still happen. And I mean, wh- what an incredible story. And, and on repeat viewings of this episode, oh, my gosh, just like knowing where all it was going to be going and picking up on lots of little things on that repeat viewing, this is one of those episodes where I think the more you watch it, the more you're going to get out of it. And oh, yeah. I think also the more emotional each one of those repeat viewings has the potential to be.
0: Yeah, I like uh, I this uh, the actor that plays uh, Frank uh, Murray Bartlett. I was first introduced to him on The White Lotus season one, and I was like, <laughs> Yes, it's like, where, guy- yeah, like he, where did this guy? Yeah, like where did this guy come from? Character in that. Well, if if you like him he he shows up in physical season 2 which is on apple tv plus and he was great in physical season 2 and oh, so it was nice to see him again in this it's like this guy is popping up in my favorite things and he's so great and i love his energy and uh, god damn it if him and uh what's his name his smile jesus christ murray bartlett's smile and i'm trying to think of the actor from doctor who People are going to kill me right now for not thinking of me. Anyway. David Tennant? Not David Tennant. No, no. Matt Smith? No, he's not a doctor.
2: Okay, I've run out of Doctor Who characters I know. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Joe's like Christopher Rackleston. No, no. Anyway, um, but uh, I, I love this guy. I think he's fantastic and it was nice to see him show up. Nice to be able to like uh, do a recap show where Murray Bartlett shows up. But Melissa, what did you think of the episode?
1: Oh, I loved it. I'm right there with you guys, especially with Joe. Like my second time watching this episode, I was somehow even more emotional than the first. And it's funny because I watched late. I didn't actually get to watch this on Sunday night. But when I finally sat down to watch it, I knew a little bit of what was in store. And so I thought that maybe that would give me some immunity to all of my feelings being felt. But that was not the case i think it it would be hard to watch this episode and not not feel those emotions cuz this is just a prime example of a show just really firing completely on all cylinders, working in things that we already know about the world. Um, you know, showing a day that we've actually already seen from Joel's perspective, looking at it from another character's perspective, and the differences in their lives in between. And then, yeah, getting back to Joel and Ellie and how the events of this episode that really have nothing to do with us have, you know, in some sense, like everything to do with Joel and Ellie going forward because of what Joel's experienced after the events of what we saw in this episode.
0: Yeah. Uh, the actor I was uh, talking about from Doctor Who uh, was uh, John Barrowman. Spinoff of Doctor Who with Torchwood. He played Dr. Jack Harkness.
2: Oh, yeah. he was He was in the first season of Arrow also. I loved him in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's great. Great. But um, yeah, man, uh, yeah, he's just got that. He's got that John Barrowman charm. Murray Bertlett does, which I.
2: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I totally see where you're coming from. Yeah. With
0: that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Let's let's talk about this one. I. Uh, uh, I really I like how it kind of bookends with Joel and Ellie. Um, I think we needed that after. I'm glad it just didn't jump into Bill and Frank is what I'm trying to say. Because I think with Mm -hmm. the death of Tess last episode, I think I wanted to start off with our main characters and and how they're dealing with it. And it's not like we got a whole lot out of Joel this episode. But there is the moment where he's down at the creek and he's stacking the rocks. And I feel like that is symbolizing some sort of like, Symbolizing Tess in a way, like some kind of mm-hmm. like
1: a memorial
0: memorial. Yeah. For Tess. Hey, Billy, J- Billy Blinks just jumped on the line. Oh, shit. Billy. The last of us to join. I'm sorry. That's- <laughs> <laughs> Billy, you've been holding on to that joke, haven't yet? But I'm I've been
3: holding on. All- oh, nice. You're mm-hmm. a very throwback. The last one. No, I thought about it in the panic I had from coming from my leaking basement to realizing what time it was and messaging Joe. So.
0: Okay. Well,
3: no, it's good to have you. What's going on? Leaky basement? Leaky basement, brother. It's all good. We're doing uh, drywall work down there. Getting it renovated and obviously I clipped something, but not the end of the world. It's it's all good. It's it's mitigated right now.
0: All right. Well, we are recording right now, Billy.
3: I I love it. Hi people. <laughs> <laughs> we just Please, at- I don't know what you've heard already. Don't let Brian pour you a glass of wine.
0: He's probably right. I wouldn't trust me either. Um, but no, <laughs> s- seriously, we uh, we just started to get into the episode itself. But before we do, what what were your thoughts on the episode, Billy?
3: Oh, man. Um, amazing television. Probably one of the best pieces of television I've watched probably the last five, ten years what everyone who's been listening to us knows is obviously I've been playing along with the games, big fans of the storyline and this part of the game. And we'll go way more into it, but from a moment, that's really just a location that you come across and you see a few notes and you meet one of the two gentlemen and you get a quick little idea of like, Oh wow. They really had a whole life here, but nothing, nothing compared to the depth and compared to the genuine love and like, I just – I don't know what else to say other than it was like masterful and I'm really, really looking forward to hearing all of you guys you know go into what parts were your favorites and obviously we all can commiserate with that. But amazing television.
0: Yeah, we're all in agreement. We love the episode. We thought that the director did a fantastic job. I'm blown away by this director and blown away by the episode. But – um so yeah, we got the scene down at the creek. I believe – yeah, like we were saying that it was a memorial to Tess. And then the scene with – uh, I really appreciated this scene. I think it was a scene that um, Ellie and Joel both needed to kind of clear the air on what was what just happened, because there was this moment where Ellie feels like she's getting some resentment for Joel. And she's like, hey, listen, you guys did this for your own reasons. I didn't make you do take up this mission. You wanted the battery you guys did this on your on your own accord, so don't blame me for her dying. And he got the got the simple nod. There is some noise in the background, so if we could mute. <clears throat> but uh, do you guys what
2: you, did you guys have any thoughts on that scene with uh, with Joel and Ellie? Oh yeah, it was such a mature response on her side to because he cuts her off right away and he's like, "I don't want your apology," and she's like, "I wasn't going to apologize." <laughs> you know you 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 chose to do this. This was you had your own reason for doing it. Don't put this on me. It was such a mature response for her to say and it's she's such an interesting character because in some ways she is you know so childish and innocent. The way that, that she'll be amused by certain things like that scene in the hotel lobby where where mm-hmm. she goes over and rings the bell and stuff, but then in other ways like right here where she's just absolutely like telling the truth about the situation and the way it is. And she's such a fascinating character. I I love uh, this
1: line reading too. I think Bella Ramsey is doing such a good job with this role.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm sure that there's some fans that are just like used to the video game and the way it's portrayed, but I'm not. And I think she's doing a really good job in the show. <laughs> I'll
3: speak for gaming fans. I don't think, listen, you're never going to, unless you really up, get the exact same actor and the actor only provided her voice for Ellie's role anyway. If you're going to sit, and I'm telling you, just played this game. If any of these fans, anyone listening right now, if you're really going to try to gatekeep based off of mannerisms or maybe just a little bit of a physical different look, these mannerisms, the lines are word for word, and she's capturing that spirit perfectly. So I think, you know, unfortunately, when we're going to find people, people are just going to find something to be mad at no matter what. And even the things that they're throwing out there, I've been watching Twitter, they're not even legitimate complaints. I feel like half these people complaining about the game have not played the game in a very long time.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying the performance. I think she's doing a fantastic job. I think uh, casting did a great job in bringing her in. She's very good. I can't see anybody else in the role, to be quite honest with you. Um, so they they stop at uh, what is it the uh, what would they call it? Cucumber farms. It was I guess like this uh, building where Joel has kind of stashed. Yeah, it's things. like
2: a like a wrecked convenience store or something yeah. like that.
0: And so he's going around looking for some of the things that he stashed there. It's been a couple of years since he's been there. And Ellie goes searching off on her own and he's just like, whatever, you know, you're not going to find anything else that's been picked through. She finds a secret room basically going into like a kind of like a basement of uh, of the business. And um, I, I think this is a really important scene where she comes across this infected zombie that's been kind of like uh, uh, has a bunch of like... Uh, uh, cement and, and all this stuff kind of like weighing him down it's like he, a wall
2: collapsed on yeah him. Mm-hmm.
0: and there's this moment where you know she takes out her knife and cuts the face and I think it was this is her fir- I think it's her first kill and it's just gonna prepare her for a lot more of what she's gonna be doing in the future and I think it was an important thing to like get out of the way she kept it to herself she didn't run back up there and Tell Joel that's what she did. She just kind of, like, assessed the situation. Um, I do think it was creepy as fuck, though, with her cut in the face. Like, that was a little
1: scary. I think that she's a little scary. (laughs) I think that this is, like, a merciful killing. I don't think it's something she shouldn't have done, but I have... Concern, but the, cur- about, the, like, the, the curiosity, underlying emotions behind these actions.
0: <laughs> well, the curiosity in cutting the face. It wasn't just like a, I'm going to sit here and ponder and then just kill the thing. She cuts its right? face to see if mm-hmm. it can like. She's watching it react. She sees that the eyes are moving, and then she cuts the face. It reminded me a little bit of like like serial killer behavior. Mm-hmm right it's
1: not i don't think it i think it would be hard to say like what's normal behavior in the post apocalypse but this does not feel like normal behavior
0: but she acts like um like a normal kid every once in a while you know what mm-hmm. i mean yeah yeah what yeah. i think is interesting about this series and we'll see
3: this develop throughout you know probably more than just this season is we're obviously in a position where the world is gone humanity is gone and how do different people react to that, right? I mean, violence is part of this world. The, the stealing, not being a human is part of this world and what you're going to see. And I love hearing you guys talk about this because you're seeing that little bit of an inkling to start with Ellie. Will Ellie hate this type of world or will she embrace the dark side of this world? And how will that like affect how Joel looks at her and how Joel compares her to his daughter, right? And maybe like, what would my daughter have done? In this world. So for you guys to start picking up on that, I think it's a really key, key, key point. And it's really great that the directors are able to get you guys to pick up on that.
0: They're definitely doing it. You're talking about the balance of like, will she like be drawn to the dark side of the world or. Yes. Or, you know, like, I guess what the world was before the hope that they could get back there eventually. Um, Because there is a scene In this episode, like towards the end, it's when Joel and Ellie first walk into Bill and Frank's house and she looks around and says, what the fuck? Because she's never been in a house that's ever been maintained. Every, every house she's Mm -hmm. been in has just been dilapidated. It's not been taken care of. And that was one of the things from the outside of the house that Joel kind of picked up on, like the plants were dying and stuff like that. That's very unlike Bill and Frank. Um, and we got to see a little, a lot of that from Frank, you know. In in this episode, he liked the, he liked to hold on to those things. He liked, you know, he liked to put care into the things that they love. And so when Joel saw that, that he Joel kind of knew something was wrong when they first walked in the house. But back to Ellie, it's like, yeah, she's never seen anything like this before. So I think we're going to have moments like that with Ellie, where we see her see how the old world was and how she's fascinated by it you know we saw that with the plane we saw that with the with the truck and but we're also going to see like you know she's growing up she's these kids are growing up post apocalypse now right yeah
2: the world as the, the fucked up world is their normal yeah yeah I mean that's a really strange thing to contemplate and just with humans as adaptable as we are it's that, that scene where she's down in that, that basement under that store and, and she cuts that thing's head, to me it was reading like, like she's doing it as like an experiment of is this thing going to react in a human way? I mean the thing doesn't like recoil in pain or anything. It just it, – it's almost like it doesn't even acknowledge that it happened.
0: Yeah, but Joe, like there's a little bit of your humanity that's gone when you treat something like that, right? Oh,
2: no, no, without a doubt. Yeah. And and it's because this is the world that she's living in. This thing looks like a person. This thing used to be a person, but it is absolutely not a person anymore. And by her cutting its head, it's like she's confirming, yeah, this is not a person anymore. Yeah. I read
3: it as, you know, she's finding someone fully infected that she's able to get up close and personal to. But I think part of it really is, guys, like, she's infected. So it's like, she's looking at another infected person and she's like, am I human? Right. Like, am I Mm -hmm. the same as this thing? Because I don't, I still, but I do think it's a part in a weird way. She's like looking in the mirror. Right. And like, feels comfortable to like rip the skin and all, because she's like, I'm one of you in a way that that's how I read it.
0: I also took it as like, uh, it's, it's training for like what she's going to have to do. And this was like the T-ball version of killing one of these things. Right. <laughs>
2: yeah, for <laughs> sure.
0: So, yeah, that was while uh, on their way, uh, Ellie and Joel are walking on their way to Bill and Frank's and Ellie is talking to Joel about, she's questioning him about the pandemic, a pandemic. And she's like, heard rumors that it started from monkeys. And he says, you know, didn't he learn this stuff in school? She's like, listen, you know, it's like, <laughs> It's a, it's a government school They're not going to tell us the truth About what really happened <laughs> And It's so,
1: such a good line yeah. The school's not teaching us How a shitty government failed to prevent a pandemic
0: Right And so we kind of Get Joel's understanding Of the cordyceps Mutation And how it started And how the fungus con- Contaminated um, You know Uh, Grocery foods like flour, so people going around eating flour and grains and things like that, Um, which is another reason why in the first episode they made it a point to reiterate over and over and over again that Joel was on the Atkins diet and so he was not infected by this. But what blew me away is like the time frame. It's like they noticed the stuff was happening on Thursdays and by Monday the world was gone. You know, It's just like over the course of four days – this happened it's terrifying yes how quickly it spread that's a shitty long weekend
2: <laughs> that is a really good way to look at it. and when you consider how long it would take to build a society up to that point with with electrical grids and and internet and running water and and all this shit rule of law people getting along for the most part and then over the course of four days it's all gone it's like what to to be one of the survivors like, I mean, the the entire world must have just been in this state of shock.
3: Well, I love this, the part in the early in the, you know, you guys talked about the opening scene, but with Bill, when he's going around and then the lights turn off and, he, well, that was faster than I thought. Right. Like, yeah. Still completely unbothered. But like you saw how quickly we lost power and I'm sure it would happen just as quickly in
0: real life. Uh, they're walking on the path to Bill and Frank's house and then. Joel remembers what's coming up on the path, and he says, "You know, let's go around it, and uh, I don't want you to see what's what's up there." So she, yeah, of course, Ellie, being Ellie, uh, has to see what's up there—curiosity—and they go up there, and we see basically a bunch of uh, skeletons of humans, and um, find out that basically these people were not infected. So. They would take people to the quarantine zone, as many as they could hold. And the people that they couldn't hold, they viewed them as possible targets for the pandemic, for this infection. So in order to reduce the amount of people that couldn't go into the quarantine zone and wouldn't be safe from the infection, they slaughtered them.
2: That's horrifying. Brutal.
3: I it's think absolutely it, it, brutal and, mm-hmm. and that's how they're treating life at the beginning. Now, fast forward 5 years, 10 years. Now where we're at, you know, you good 20 years even, right? Like it just the value of a human life and there are so many scenes and I'm sure and I'm not going to try to get any specifics cuz I'm sure they're going to pull some from the games, but there is a lot of humans not treating humans as humans.
0: I mean, it's well I mean it happens in the real in the real world. People just massacred for just the dumbest reasons and you know even down to like the titanic where it's just you know they're valuing certain life over others um yeah it's it's tragic um the, i guess let's jump into when we are first introduced to bill and uh because they talk about people being carted off by the government, taken to quarantine zones. And that's what we see here is people getting into the back of the truck, being taken off to quarantine zones in this neighborhood. That's been kind of like zoned for evacuation. And this is where bill lives. Bill has stayed behind. He's kind of bunkered down and hidden himself away in his basement. And, uh, once he notices from his cameras on the outside that everyone is gone. And you can get a good look of the inside of his place and how he has been stocking up on stuff. This guy is definitely like the definition of a doomsday prepper, right?
1: He's ready. Yeah.
0: He, <laughs> like call, he calls himself the to- survivalist, but he's a doomsday prepper. I don't care well, what yeah, he says. <laughs> and his
1: worldview was confirmed to be correct in this timeline, which yeah. is crazy to me to think about.
3: Yeah. Did anyone <laughs> yeah. else? I, just want to, I know this is early on in the episode, but before we get into the super serious of it all, it's like, did anyone else kind of look at this character and go, hey, this could be Ron Swanson? Like, this. Ron, yeah, this well, it could be Ron Nick Ron Offerman
1: in real life. <laughs> like, the man is actually, I don't think he's a doomsday prepper, but like all that woodworking and stuff, like that's real. When I saw him in Chicago, he played a, a songs on a ukulele that he like whittled himself.
2: <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's, that's incredible
1: <laughs> <laughs> like he is just such a cool
2: fucking dude yeah <laughs> i'm not a prepper at all but that is the sort of man i aspire to be like i finished <laughs> this episode immediately told my wife we begin work on the sub basement tomorrow
3: <laughs> <laughs> we have a cool little crawl space that's unutilized in our basement right now and it may have to be the, the vault i mean emily watched the first episode my wife and literally i i shit you not started looking into like prepping I was well, like, oh. I
1: already told yeah. you guys about my contact fears. Ellie finds a box of tampons in this episode and I was like, I didn't even think of that
0: till now. <laughs> right. God damn it. Well, I think well, I have I, another super specific problem. <laughs> I thought that that was a brilliant scene too the, the tampons because it's like you don't see that in this post apocalyptic mm-hmm. kind of shows. I've never seen as as far as I can recall. I've never seen anything like that in The Walking Dead.
1: Well, and they had so much time to get into the nitty gritty of how th- their society would work. And they just didn't <laughs> cover that aspect. But yeah, I thought that was a good point, too. Especially I thought it was kind of funny because Joel was like, it's picked over. You won't find anything. And she's like, yeah, <laughs> nothing for you.
3: Yeah. yeah. One
2: man's trash, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Ellie's treasure.
2: Use it to plug up a bullet hole. I don't know.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he sure. could yeah, he could do that. He's he could MacGyver that, couldn't he Joe? <laughs> but um yeah, so he waits for them to evacuate and then once he notices that they're all gone, this is when like, you know, Bill has already got everything planned out. He's he is a doomsday prepper. He knows exactly what he's going to do. He starts to raid the stores. He goes into Home Depot, takes what he needs. Um he builds a, a fence around the neighborhood and uh it's there's cameras he's he set up um uh the fence with the uh, it's an electric fence and he set up booby traps what was so cool is watching him at the monitors and getting an alert that there is like an intruder on the property and then watching him as he sees one of the infected like walk through the woods and then Walk over that tripwire. I had no idea it was going to set off a gun to go <laughs> like a shotgun blast to the head. It and he get old. It was, he was like, oh, <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then he goes down. I was like, this guy has got it all figured out. Like, this, I mean, the
1: soundtrack is fun. He's just rocking and rolling in yeah. life. <laughs>
0: We do see him building these pits, so he's basically taken some. Um, uh, he's uh, he's taken something and like covered up these pits and put like sod on the top and like so that it looks it looks natural. And this is eventually what Frank is going to fall into. He falls into that pit, and um, he finds Frank in the pit. Frank yells out from the pit that he's not infected, and. They agree. He basically agrees to get him out of the pit and let him come back to the house and shower. And I don't know about you guys, but back at the house when they're sit when when they're sitting at the table and they're talking, I had no idea about these characters. Like I had just heard Bill and Frank. I didn't know if Bill and Frank were brothers. I didn't know if mm-hmm. Bill and Frank were friends from growing up. I didn't and, – and I also didn't know if Bill and Frank were in a romantic relationship. But as soon as I saw how this was all playing out and as soon as I saw these two at the table, I didn't know anything. But I was shipping them in the moment, like like very early on. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, absolutely. From from that first, that first exchange they had once Frank's out of the pit and yeah. Bill's explained to him why he can't come in. He's like, this isn't an Arby's. <laughs> he's like, he's like, well, they they didn't give away food for free at Harveys before all this happened. Yeah. it was exchange. a restaurant. <laughs> yeah, that little exchange right there was so perfect. In it was very soft, right? The, like, yeah, the way that Frank smiles at him, like, like in a rewatch, he knows. Yeah, he knows during the rewatch, you can point, really see it in that scene, and and it, it builds perfectly during the dinner. All all the joy that's on Frank's face. During every part of it, from when the, the food gets sat down to when he's pouring the wine. Every bit, he's just absolutely loving.
0: Oh, the shower, too. It was just oh, like. Oh, the
2: shower was so great.
3: <laughs> it's a crazy 180, Joe, from falling in a ditch in like 10 minutes earlier to be <laughs> yeah. then like a fillet and shower and then get some afternoon sex. Like, I mean, a pretty,
2: pretty flipped 180 day for our boy. Yeah, I mean, there's a good chance that it's been four years since Frank's had a hot shower. I mean, think about it. Hot water's got to be hard to come by in a post-apocalyptic world.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he hadn't eaten in two days. He started off leaving the Baltimore quarantine zone, which was just destroyed. And he had 10 in his group, he said, and he's the last one.
2: God. Yeah. I mean, in in, like that trek from Baltimore to Boston and for him to be the last survivor – And then to see something like, oh, this is a fence. I'm going to go towards it and then fall into a deadfall.
0: He was on his way to Boston. So he's in Massachusetts right now. So it's like he wouldn't have made it. He would not have lived had Bill not let him stay there.
2: Yeah, I agree. Because he was still 10 miles – he was 10 miles west of Boston still at that point. Maybe maybe further.
0: Yeah. Um.
2: It's a All long right. walk. It's four hundred and thirty three
3: miles. They said if you walked it straight, it would take one hundred and forty five hours.
0: Wow! <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> You're not going to make it. Not in this world, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> Nine out of ten of them definitely didn't. Exactly. Not when, like little yeah. girls. Well, were like skinny. they're
1: wearing sweaters, so it probably gets really cold at night.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure.
0: Um, he sees the piano and. Uh, He's like, oh, my gosh. He's like, that's an antique. He's, and he's like, yeah, it's 1940. He's like, do you know how much this is worth? And he's like, currently nothing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just love how Frank is such a whirlwind in this house. You can tell that Bill is, like, intrigued but overwhelmed by this man who is so into everything And they have this really good interaction um, right before this piano bit where Frank thanks Bill for the meal and Bill just says, you're welcome, which is the normal response, but it felt so powerful because this actually did cost him something to have this other person in his space. Um, And he doesn't say like, oh, it's fine or oh, you're welcome or you know what, like, don't worry about it. No problem. He like legitimately is like acknowledging the thank you. And I thought that was a really nice moment.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The, the piano scene was interesting. It was because the the reason I I liked that one so much is the fact that um, Bill, Bill was not having it the way he was singing Linda Ronstadt's (laughs) long, long time. Yeah. He did not like it. <laughs> and he's like he's like I, this. I think in that moment he was kind of like, Don't ruin this song for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was and then when he played his version of it with it with it so down tempo and so solemn, yeah. like it was a a really beautiful thing, and you could understand why. Cause to him, that's what that song was. It's this very, very sad song about this unrequited love and, and to hear like a jaunty version of it, he's like, no, that's not what this song is at all. You can't do it like that.
0: That's what I think is like so beautiful about Bill and Frank is the, is I feel like in the real world before all the, you know, infected and, and the bombs dropped that Bill couldn't be, at least he felt like he couldn't be who he really was which is a gay man. And I don't
1: think that queerness is like, you know, a big thing in the prepper community in 2003.
2: Exactly. Yeah. That's the same angle I was thinking is that if you think of like what sort of forums and stuff he was on, like he was not a a safe place for him. Um, Mm
0: -hmm. We don't know much about his family, but like that could have also like been like a factor here. But It took the, I mean, it literally took the apocalypse for him to be able to find love, which it's crazy to think that, like, he found in a time that's so dark and dire and terrible that he was able to find the one thing that he wanted to live for. And there's a line later on, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but he's, they're, they're, you know, eating the strawberries and he says, I was never afraid before you showed up, basically saying like, I never had anything to lose before
3: exactly crazy for a man who literally is existing in the apocalypse to find, he uses the word purpose later. Right. Mm And it's like to find his purpose, you had to lose everything. And it's, it's the beauty in the sadness, right? It's for one man. And maybe then there's spot stories amongst this universe. But for some people, it's crazy to say, but it was like the best thing that ever happened to them. It's just, it's daunting to say that.
0: I love how Frank is very – like once – Frank sees a strong man. He does. He sees a very strong man. But on the flip side, he also sees someone who hasn't had like the same – Romantic connections that maybe he's had in the past. So he's very understanding. He's very gentle. I like, he's, he's still flirty. They're in the bedroom and he's like, you know, I, I'm not, don't think I'm a whore. I don't do this for a free lunch. I don't care how good the free lunch is. And he's like, so if I'm going to do this, if we're going to do this, I want to stick around for a few days. Basically saying like, I want to give this a shot and see if there's something here. So there, it's not like he's saying like, I'm just going to use you because you can take care of me and feed me. He's like legitimately attracted. There's an attraction mm-hmm. between these two men and there's a respect between these two men and he's legitimately saying I want to see if there's something here. And I'm, I like I just liked how I I don't I I never felt in the moment that that Bill was ever like hesitant. Bill was also like I I've waited my whole life for something like this. Mm-hmm. I want this. I want to see where this goes too. It's all new, but He's still excited by it. And it was awesome.
1: It really was. And I'm definitely reading it the way you're reading it, which is that they, you know, he wanted to say, like, you know, if we're going to go down this path, I really want to try to see what's here. But I did laugh a little bit because I'm like, oh, you won't do it for a free lunch, but you will for three nights sleep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's Very what he meant, But then
1: by the end of the episode, I'm like, these are serious emotions and not to be joked about. But when I rewatched the episode today, I thought laughed at my little dumb joke in my head again so i had to say
0: i think he was being very flirty in the moment
1: i think he was too yeah
2: yeah, yeah absolutely it's like as in saying like a few days like you know if you spend a whole long weekend with somebody you can usually tell right away yep. if, if something's gonna you know if you can keep hanging out with this person or not <laughs> exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Which or three days, he might be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm trying to make it to Boston. It only took three years for him to say, fuck it. I'm out of here. Because then.
1: <laughs> I know. I <laughs> love that, <so> that <laughs> cut three years later. It's
2: it was so amazing. funny. <laughs> well, it's the perfect example of. You're seeing the the seeds, the the very first like sapling, like saplings of like this growing love between these two, and then three years later, like what an established couple thing to be blasting out the front door, being like, "Oh, fuck you!" <laughs> you know? it's, like, it's such a such an intimate thing, and it was it was done perfectly because well, it worked great for comedic effect and yes. for just showing where they're at now in this relationship. Well, you can see how. Uh, Bill
0: would want to be a little bit controlling when it comes to the resources. Like, I've got this all planned out, you know,
2: and like. <laughs> exactly. He's going down to the gnat's ass. He knows exactly when they're going to run out of gas.
0: And Frank's like, you know what? You know, I, if we're going to be together, I want some nice things. I want, you know, I want a little bit of normalcy, you know, and I think it's like, I think that's where the, like, the compromise comes from b- between these two. Both are important in this situation, They – Frank relies on Bill to keep up with things around as far as like the protection side of things, you know, like making sure that the fences are fortified, making sure that, you know, they have enough ammo and things like that and enough food. Those things are important and I don't think Frank was ever like, you know, don't – stop doing those things. But I think on the flip side – Bill needed to be reminded of like we need nice things around us that makes me happy. I like that. And if I'm happy in the, with that too, our relationship's going to be better. Otherwise, I'll just resent you because we're just we're just constantly, you know, fortifying shit, and getting getting guns ready and all this stuff. Like they needed, <laughs> you know, and I think I think Bill needed a little bit of that introduced into his life as well. You know, so.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, and also it's the the thing that Bill didn't realize is that Frank is saying, let me love this the way I want to taking care of things is a way that you can show that you love it. And Bill is taking care of Frank. But Frank doesn't necessarily have anything to take care of. He wants to take care of the stuff that's around them. Yeah. and it, And it's kind of like in that first scene when they had their first dinner together and Frank gets up and he's wandering around the dining room and he notices how dusty that mantle is Yeah, and he's like oh this is something that that I can take care of
3: there's more I think oh, the the great are, dynamic there is sorry, know, so, uh, Bill is like the ultimate survivor right he, he has set up the ultimate fortress town he has set himself up intense purposes for life to be able to survive but there's a difference between surviving and living And that's what Frank comes in and he shows him how to really live and not just how to survive. Right. That's, and I think it's beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What were you saying, Melissa?
1: Oh, I said, um, you know, that Frank fills their house with all of his beautiful art.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not
1: just like, you know, bare bones living in the, like a mausoleum to, you know, Bill's presumably unhappy pre mushroom zombie house
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean yeah it still had all his mom's knickknacks in it and
0: stuff i also like how he's like and i want us to have friends (laughs) you know
2: it's like (laughs) i love that how he immediately is like i got my way on this i went so far as actually getting the shops including the boutique yeah (laughs) yeah Now we're going for the final, <laughs> the final rush. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna That's
1: friends. how you know they've had a lot of fights because he knew exactly how to parse out this information. <laughs> yes,
2: exactly. It was masterful. And, uh, it, you know, he's like. There are no I, friends
1: I'm, to be had. Ooh, I already <laughs> have them, though. <laughs> like, it's too late to stop me.
2: I also love during that argument, too, when when Frank is, like, throwing out sarcastic examples of Bill's way of thinking. And he's like, the government's run by Nazis. And Bill's like, hey, they are run by Nazis. <laughs> he
1: says, yeah, now. Now they are. Yeah. Probably so the funny. biggest laugh of the episode. That was good. The last
3: the, – the two – one like, the one line is, like, the yeah, now. And, like, the comments they made, the humanizing comments that you would think would never be able to exist in that apocalyptic world unless you're dead right. Is like the probably – the best part of the episode besides the love story, but just that, just the humanizing comments like that, just the, well, now it is like, it's, it's just yeah. that exactly what the audience was thinking as they were arguing. You're like, well, kind of they are. And then when he says it, you're just like, thank you. Like, <laughs> awesome.
1: Bill is also doing these like deep calming breaths in the middle of the street during this argument.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Meditative breathing.
3: <laughs> like your ther- your, your couple's therapy, like counselor taught you that.
1: Frank probably (laughs) taught him it, which is really, really cute.
0: We jump ahead to the first meeting of Tess and Joel and Bill and Frank. And oh my gosh, Tess and Frank are just hitting it off. It's just like. (laughs) They're so
1: conspiratorial.
0: (laughs) Yes. And then you've got the two guys who don't trust anybody. They're very gruff. And uh, yeah, like Bill is holding that gun the entire fucking time, you know, and just making sure that because, you know, he doesn't know. He doesn't know Joel. And what, you know, he didn't he,
1: even want friends.
0: He didn't <laughs> yeah, wa- yeah. He doesn't want this. Th- these are people coming into his world that, that they're going to use him or they're going to harm him. He wants none of it. I think Joel brings up a great point, though, that there's stuff from the QZ that they can bring him that they don't have here, like medicine, things like that. I mean, yes, they, they have food and whatever, but there's also things that they don't have. And so I thought that Joel brought up a good point. And even though I never felt like Joel and Bill were ever the best of friends and that like, <laughs> that follows through to the end, um, <laughs> that we, we did learn that there is a respect between the two men. But, um, I, I really appreciated this scene. Did it look like they, I, I'm curious, did it look like they did some de-aging with Tess here, the actor that plays her? Or was it just the fact that this is the first time I've ever seen her, you know, with with makeup on or something? I don't know. She just looked...
1: Her, she had like a way better... I don't know if she's wearing a wig. Her hair looked much better.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, her hair was done. And also every other... I mean, when we were first introduced to Tess, she had just taken a beating. That's true, and so for the rest of the time that we're with her, her her state, her her, her, her face is in varying states of like a healing bruise, and and they, I mean they certainly did a lot more makeup on her for this scene too to to put her in this more civilized environment, but I noticed that as well, and you know I mean and even when they had Anna Torv dirtied up, she's still beautiful.
0: Now. I- Oh, go ahead. Go
2: ahead. No, I I read this thing the same way. I I think
0: it's
3: just trying to demonstrate that they were in a much better place, even though it was apocalyptic. They were in a much better place at that time than where we find them, like Joe said, to start this series. So I read it like that. It would be interesting if they had. But I don't know if they would have wanted to put the money into de-aging tests just for the one scene. Right. I mean, she's not an important character, but seems like a pretty big investment for that.
2: There's yeah, moment. It was 10 years before the present day storyline, if I'm remembering the timestamps right. Yeah.
1: Joel also says during this that like they're decent people, which is something that they're not saying by the time that we meet them in the first episode.
0: That's true. I was wondering in that moment is like, is he lying here or within that 10 years, it's just gotten worse. It's just gotten that much worse with Raiders and whatever the fuck is out there. Mm-hmm.
3: I think you could say just, that, and that's an interesting. I was talking to a friend of mine with, on a different topic about like The Last of Us in general, and I think the point, the thing you just said, Brian, is something we have to consider throughout this whole series. Are any of these people like really that good of people? Right? I mean, Joel's talked about his history. He's talked about having to do what he's had to do to survive, and we'll see as the series goes on. Joel is a badass. So, like, at the end of the day, it's like you're watching the series, and it's like you're rooting for them, but is he really a great guy at the same time or are, are any of these people maybe outside of Ellie good people like are they should we be rooting for them in a sense because we may see the raiders as evil people but guess what Joel's been that raider as well before right so it's it's a it's a very interesting dynamic i'm looking forward to seeing how the showrunners are going to
2: kind of bring that question to light
0: it's hard to say when the entire world is becoming a war zone
2: exactly Because you're going to be a product of the environment you're in and and your reactions to that environment to try and survive. And I mean, because we've seen Joel make hard decisions where he's like, oh, there's people in need. But I have people that I care about that I have to take care of. So fuck the fact that they have needs. But it also isn't like he's going out of his way to like throw napalm on them or something like that. Yeah. Or or enslave them or some shit.
0: Well, you think, you know, uh Th- you know, going back, uh, going to The Walking Dead, it's like, who's who's the good guy? Is it Rick? Is it Negan? Is Negan not doing the same thing that Rick is doing? Yeah, he's protecting his people. Right. I mean, he's he putting was, the he fear retribution.
3: Right. All we know is it wasn't Shane. Shane definitely wasn't a good guy.
0: Fuck Shane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely fuck Shane. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad
2: Rick got to kill him twice.
0: Joel notices that uh, – yeah, he did. Um, Joel notices that uh, – was it? was wasn't it Carl that killed him the second
2: time? Uh, I'm thinking – I've never watched the show, so I'm only – When he was a zombie, I thought book. that was Carl, yeah. Yeah, that was Carl. In, in the comic book – Rick kills him and then when he finds out the dead reanimates, spoiler. Yeah. He, he fucking goes back to that original site, digs him up. And and the whole time he's digging, he's like as soon as I found out you were still here, I just couldn't sleep. <laughs> couldn't stop thinking about it and digs him up and kills that, him again. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, fucking excellent. That was back when I was still infatuated with The Walking Dead before yeah. it tore my fucking heart out, and stomped on it, and then laughed about it.
0: Uh-huh. Episode 100. Uh, issue 100 did that for a lot of people, Joe.
2: Fuck yeah, it did. <laughs> that was my final issue. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same. That's when I was like, I'm Robert Kirkman. I love you. I love your fucking mind, your storytelling ability, but I'm done letting you hurt me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's so true. <laughs> I'm done letting you hurt me.
2: And then I read all of Invincible, and I was like, this is amazing.
0: <laughs> so, Joel, That uh, Joel tells, uh, Bill, that the fence that he has, it's like it's corroding. I can, I can bring you a better material for the fence as well. So there's definitely a relationship that's formed. They definitely need each other, but I never felt like Bill and Joel were like the best of friends, but that, that was it. Like, you know, I think even though they weren't the best of friends, I think there's a moment in this episode where bill gives joel the best gift he could ever give him and it's just his deep like his his like knowledge of like find that one person that you can take care of you know and protect we'll talk about that more later but um there is uh there's a moment in this where we do get to see because joel said something about uh you know, you gotta worry about raiders. They're gonna come. They're gonna see this place and they're gonna want it. And you gotta imagine how attractive this place is. It's fortified. It's got the fence. Uh, it's got supplies. Everything looks like the old world the way it was. People are going to want to take over what you have. You have nice things. People are going to want it in the post-apocalypse. And they're going to, uh, fight and kill for it. And that's what happens. We wake Frank uh, Frank wakes up to hear all this commotion going on outside. Uh, there's 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 fires outside. The booby traps are going off. People with shotguns. Uh, Bill is firing back. Um, this is the first time we see the gun that Frank pulls out of that drawer, which is the same gun that we'll see Ellie come across later in the episode.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that little 9mm or three eighty auto. Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, how bad is... For Frank being a survivalist, it's like, dude, take some cover, Bill. It,
1: why would you even yeah, go Bill. out there?
2: Like, why are you standing in the middle of the street shooting at these people? Like,
1: I honestly think it's, it's just because <laughs> his plan was always to go out there and shoot them when they came that he did this. But like, if you're so confident in your fence, I just don't understand why you ever went out there in the first place.
2: Yeah, why, why doesn't, doesn't he give have them like,
1: something to shoot at?
2: Why doesn't he you have a have sniper like a, platform on yes. top of his house?
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, he clearly has it, yeah.
0: he, he's he got a scope on that thing, you know,
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that I, thing is set up for for a for like a crow's nest somewhere
1: because he goes outside. We get to see Frank with the gun. We get to see Frank taking care of him for once. We get to see, we get to see Bill saying, you know, call Joel, call Joel. This is a person I trust, you know, all that. But still, it's like, don't 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 go out there.
0: <laughs> I was worried that when he got shot and he's taking care of him when he passed out from the pain i thought for a moment he was dying there i was like no oh, i Me was too. worried yeah
3: Me too. I, I was actually it's funny enough i actually considered i was i thought it maybe happened too because they and we'll, when we get to the end of the episode i'll kind of talk about the game and the bill yeah the story with bill and the game and it's so different that i'm like shit, like, he might die right here. Like, it might be the Frank story. You know what I mean? So, like, it's 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 interesting. So, I that's what I love. That, again, as, as a gamer, the subverted expectations have been wonderful. And, like, I never in a million years thought, like, if, like, they would, from the things in the game, that they would maybe expand on, that they would expand on the story there based upon what they show in the game. So, it's just, yeah, I, I loved it.
0: So, the next thing that we get, we jump ahead and... We see someone carting someone around in a wheelchair. And I was thinking before I could lock in and see who it was, I was thinking, yeah, it's going to be Bill in the wheelchair because he's the one who got shot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like he was shot. Maybe maybe it affected his spine in some sort of way. Yeah. And no, it's been flipped here. We've
0: done a time jump and Frank is like dying due to some illness they they don't know what he's even dying of so when they're talking about him taking these pills i'm like what pills are he, what all these pills like what are these even for do you even know what he's been diagnosed with because they even make a joke about like the uh, door-to-door MI, mri salesman or something and it's like they yeah. don't know
2: and he said there was no cure for this before the world went to shit so you know some, something fill in the blank whether it's You know, cancer or or some other degenerative disease that it's just once you have this, there's no coming back from it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Now, it really stacks up against earlier. We had that scene um, where they were younger and they were jogging. And it was before they went and looked at the strawberries, yeah, and, then, and then Bill had made the admission the
1: strawberries.
2: Okay, well, that's. I'm
0: sorry, Melissa. Let's talk about the strawberries. <laughs> okay, well, <let's>, you
2: can see that Frank is is keeping Bill active, and then Bill yeah. apologized and said, "I'm sorry, I got old faster than you." And then Frank says a really touching line, and he says, "No, I, I like you old. It means we're still here." Yeah. And wow. and then they they yeah the the scene with the strawberries was just incredible. Um, I like how they they ate them both at the same time,
0: too. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) It made me realize, too, that it's like I have a huge strawberry patch in my backyard, so I'm sad. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Strawberries are my absolute favorite fruit, like one of my top tier favorite foods. They always have been. And I flip my shit whenever it's a strawberry that they bring back in Matrix Resurrections. And so when it was a strawberry that he had as a surprise for him, I was like, thrilled and this, then the second time i watched this when i had all my feelings when they get to the strawberries i started weeping <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i cried through that scene on my rewatch it was oh, basically everything from him playing the piano on like i was a mess on the, the rewatch of the first time
1: they kissed i had this feeling of like could you fucking imagine what that would feel like after being alone for four years and like humanity is gone you know as far as Bill knows there's no one there will never be anyone and then to like meet a person and like them and kiss them and then get to eat a strawberry like I can't imagine
0: it was good enough but it wasn't overwhelmed. it was good enough but it wasn't at, it wasn't that good that Frank couldn't tell Bill to go take a fucking shower <laughs> 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 So yeah, the scene with the strawberries, I, I I like that quite a bit, and I like that they had like the little romantic moment after that, and Bill was about ready to like you know roll around, and he's like, not in the strawberries.
2: <laughs> yes, that was so funny. <laughs> yeah, but I I felt like that was another like uh, subversive moment to where when we see the the person in the wheelchair, it's it's like okay, Bill's apologizing for getting older faster. Uh, he's been shot. This is definitely gonna be him in the wheelchair. And it's a total reversal that that it is, you know, seemingly the younger, healthier guy that's health has degenerated. Yeah. And and how lucky they were that they made that relationship with Joel and Tess because that's where the medicine came from.
0: Right. Um Frank is Frank is, he's in pain and he, it's not going to get any better. And he basically is, there's a scene where he's telling, and this is the one that had me, this is where I broke, is when he's telling me, like, he wants to have one more good day. And, you know, I want us to, I want us to, you know, have a good day together. I want us to go, uh, pick out some clothes at the boutique. You're going to wear what I want you to wear because I'm sure that was, been, that's been an issue in the relationship. Um, and then I want us to get married and then I want us to, I want you to crush the pills, put them in the wine, and then I want you to hold me in your arms as I leave. And I'm just like, that's when I was just like sobbing, you know? Um, and upon, Watching it the first time and when Joel shows up later, I know I'm jumping ahead, we can go back to, to anything you guys want to cover. But when Joel goes into the other room and then shuts the door, I'm just like, I, it, we don't see it. But you know that the two men were laying in bed holding each other and they both went. And then I'm like, I wonder like who went first. It's just, it was tragic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely tragic. And they're sharing that, that final meal that they have together. And it's, it's the, the, he makes the dish that is the first one that they had together when they first met. And they, they just have this beautiful moment where they're sharing the wine. And then Frank comes to the realization that, that Bill had put drugs in, in his wine as well. And he, he says, I don't approve of this, but you know, it it is objectively very romantic Mm -hmm. And it, it is it is one of those it's a beautiful tragedy is what it is, because I mean, could you imagine being Bill, though, going back to living a life of solitude after that? No. What? what no, it, even either. as Not. as much as, as Frank would have wanted him to carry on, like for what for? I mean, at this point, he is quite an old man and the, his whole reason for being that turned him around and showed him that life could be beautiful is now gone. His purpose and. Yeah, his purpose is gone. And so I, I absolutely understand why he did yeah. what he did in, in the decision that he made. And, and also, I applaud the fact that they live in a world where they could have the agency to do that as an old person to go out with, with a, a, a sense of dignity. Mm-hmm. And man, the, just what an incredible cap to that story that the way that they met, the the love that they built, the life that they built together in this post apocalyptic awful world they still managed to create this beautiful wonderful thing and oh, well, i mean just an, this is an amazing love story told in a single episode of television right i mean it's, it's, it is amazing it's
3: what you it's what you want your love story to be right it's i i for myself personally i was sitting there watching and there was so both so content with this being and knowing this whole time this whole day that it's their last day and I to me it's just like I it's so fearful how do you how do you it's it's amazing how can you get to that point eventually where you're not just like I I would be frantic right my if I knew this was my last day with my loved one with my wife with it I just It's so beautiful, but mean. It's so heartbreaking, though. At the same time, like, what do you do, guys? Like, what do you do when you? you, We we live in such an uncertain world, right? We don't know that every day is our last, and we always say, and none of us do it the the right way. Like, live every day like it's your last, and it's like they, they do. Like, what would you do? Like, Mm I, you know, even Bill, like, I don't know how he, I don't know how he even did it. (laughs) Like, I just like I don't know, like, how he went through and did that day, like being told from the beginning this is it. Like, there's just. He, there's so much to say, right? There's still so
1: he much
0: decided to say. He decided that he was going to do the same yeah. thing. Yeah. That's, I mean, because there's that and initial... It is
1: tragic. It, it makes me profoundly sad, but at the same time, I'm like, this is... They found their happiness after a mushroom zombie outbreak which is incredible. And they got to live into old age, which mm-hmm. is incredible. I mean, they had more happiness and like more dignity in their death than like almost any of us can hope for at this you know moment in time.
0: Ain't that the truth? I look at the world that we live in now and it's like, mm-hmm. people are getting divorced all the time. People are, you know what I mean? Like, it's, and, and, and these guys stuck it out. They stuck together. They found true love and
1: they married each other at a time when it was illegal to do so.
2: So. They did that on their true. last day. Mm-hmm. Well, is it illegal if there's no government? I mean, <laughs> at the time <laughs> that they still had a functional government in, in 2003, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't legal for them to be married. With with well, can the
1: government actually ever tell anybody who can love each other? I mean, I'll say no, but <laughs>
0: <yeah>. with uh, <laughs> with with him being a doomsday prepper, I just felt like. Bill had started his own country here so he it's his rules right. you know <laughs> This is the country the of King's Bill of Yeah So um yeah it was uh that was a tough watch that was a that was a tough watch and it, it wasn't any easier on me the second one either but just a beautiful love story and um they had one more good day together and So this is when um Joel and Ellie make their way there. Um, Is this is this when they get in the Chevy S ten in the?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, that's that's a. So they They show up at the town, and and Joel's looking very apprehensive as he approaches the fence. He punches in the code. They let him in. Very hesitantly walks into Bill's house. I mean, (laughs) you. I, that would be the most terrifying door in the world to open. Be like, what sort of fucking trap does this psycho have on this thing? Um, but, you know, they go in and he looks through the house and that's when Ellie finds the letter. Yeah. And they, they read and find out what happened. And then there's the mention of Tess. And, oh, there's the great line in the letter, too, that he's like, men like us are, are meant to, to find somebody to protect. Yeah. And God help the motherfucker that comes between us. And and like, that's such a great line. That was a a badass line. Yeah. And it further solidifies, you know, Joel's mission that he you know, he was taking Ellie here thinking he's going to be able to drop her off with Bill and Frank. And now, no, he can't. And instead, he's getting this letter from somebody that while wasn't a friend, it was somebody he immensely respected and and connected with Mm -hmm. and this person telling him that the whole purpose of this life is to find a single person and connect to and he even goes on to mention, you know, so you use the, all this stuff that I'm giving you, these weapons and, and all my supplies here. You use them to protect Tess, not knowing that Tess is gone now. But Tess's final words were protect Ellie, save who you can.
0: Very, and, very Qui-Gon Jinn to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi in The Phantom um,
2: Menace. No, it absolutely is. Yeah. it's It just further solidifies that, that need that he has to, OK, I need to keep this going and, and keep protecting her. Mm
0: hmm. Yeah And then we find out that uh, Joel is his plan at this point is to make his way to Wyoming to find his brother Tommy, who is a firefly and might know more information about like where he can get Ellie to, to where they can do what they need to do to maybe find a cure.
2: Yes. Yeah. Since Tommy's in with the Fireflies, maybe he'll know where to get her there. And and I I love that scene they had down in the bunker also when when she asks what's up with the radio playing. And and Joel tells her that that if he didn't, if Bill didn't reset the the counter every couple of weeks, it would just automatically play 80s music. And it was so it
0: it was playing Chains of Love, dude. And when that comes on the radio, dude, I'm just like, don't give up. Don't <laughs> give up. <laughs> 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 that's like my, that's my fucking jam. Like I'll roll up the window so nobody can hear it. But that's my fucking jam, man. <laughs>
2: well, I, I feel like that really puts a timeline on when Bill and Frank's last day was. Yeah. Um, because we know that that 80s music started playing right after Joel and, and Tess and Ellie escaped the quarantine zone at the end of the first episode yeah well, and we saw uh
0: at the when uh Frank was uh talking with Tess as they're getting ready to leave and they're talking about trading and stuff like that they come up with we we get to see the origin of the sixties seventies eighties music and the code yes. yeah, yeah
2: Frank says I think yep. we should come up with a code because people might be listening to us on the radio he
0: says eighties means trouble
2: mm-hmm.
0: so yeah, yeah, I love this episode <laughs> oh it was
2: Thank it was too. so amazing yeah. this is this is one where I feel like Brian, we're going to be talking about this again. I <laughs> do eleven months or so. I agree. I
0: agree. Yeah. I agree. It, the best of, you know what I mean. When we come, when uh-huh. it comes down to the end of the year, yeah, I can almost bet you anything. We'll be talking about this episode. Earned him it Um, couple things here that I wanted to throw in. This is, I guess, uh, um, like an Easter egg for the game, the fans of the game. Um, They said, I can't remember where I got this from. So I, I apologize. I forget what article I got this from, but it says fans of the game will love the inclusion of crafting in this episode. Joel goes to Bill's garage and finds items needed to build a car battery. We even get a shot of a crafting table, a fun nod to the countless hours spent cleaning, upgrading, or modifying weapons. So they're still kind of throwing some love out there to the fans of the game just by slipping in things like a crafting table, which I guess is something that uh, is part of the game. Oh,
3: a ton of uh, cool Easter eggs to the game. The um, the Mortal Kombat uh, machine is a one kickback to the game. It wasn't Mortal Kombat in the game because they wouldn't have had the rights to it, but it was a, a fictional game. Um, they also uh, – the whole – the whole episode is an Easter egg. So Bill and Frank's home is a location that you come across in the game and you meet Bill and Bill is very similar to like what you would, think he's a survivalist, a little bit more nutty, a little bit more antagonistic, kind of like how we meet him more. So like in the beginning of the episode, uh, but uh, Frank's not there. Like he's already passed and gone and actually you find a note in the house that you give to bill if you decide to, and you can do it on the side that like Frank actually left him. They had didn't have a ended up. The relationship ended in heartbreak and he left him and before he could actually leave, he died, he got, he gets killed, but they find the note after the fact. So the fact they just took a, a kind of a sad depressing segment pretty early on in the game and it really beats down the hopelessness idea of the world and completely flipped it on its ass and literally made it one of the best episodes of television ever with a positive love story. It's just crazy. Now I do not know what to expect from the rest of this first season.
0: Good. I hope they kind of diverge a little bit. That way everybody gets something new and a surprise. You know, I don't want to be, I just don't want to like get on Twitter and read something where somebody's saying like, Oh, wait until this happens. You know, I I kind of want to stay like, Unspoiled when it comes to this
2: show, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I've I've done that too. I I started playing the game, and then uh, also started watching the the cinematic playthrough video that's on YouTube. And so I've gotten a little bit further in that than I have in the in my actual playthrough. But I've been being very careful not to go further. Or if I'm I'm listening to another podcast and they start saying that they're going to get into game spoilers. I bounce out of there quick because th- this has been such a great experience having this show be my introduction to this world that I want to keep it going that way.
0: Yeah, agreed.
2: Do you plan on moving on to part two, the
3: game, Joe, once you finish part one or are you going to hold off?
2: I mean, yeah, probably. If I I, I figure that's going to be part of the adaptation in maybe season two or, or further on in the series. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I probably will. My My only problem is that I, I never have very much time for gaming. And and you. so that's why I started getting impatient and and jumped into the watching the, the cinematic playthrough on YouTube instead was because it's like, all right, well, here I can just get the info I need a little bit faster and play through the game at my own pace.
3: The, yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's a, the investment of just the time in between doing like the gathering and the walking and all that adds hours to the play, right? So like if you can, <laughs> yes. you just want the story. You can cut the, the actual gameplay out.
2: <laughs> yeah. If you just want the story, you can get it for like a little over five hours on YouTube.
0: <laughs> Fantastic news like this week. Game. Fantastic news this week. Season two has already been greenlit. So it is happening. And that happened right after the second episode. I, I felt like within a day or two after the second episode dropped, HBO Max is announcing a, uh, a season two order, which – I think is great. I, I think that it gets things moving so that we don't have to hopefully wait too much longer for a season two. Like we know it's happening now and, you know, they can get they can find out, you know, Bella Ramsey's schedule and um Pedro Pascal's schedule and just get everybody on the same page and ready to go. And give us season two. So I'm I'm very excited about that news. I'm also excited about the news that the ratings continued to soar after the third episode, like viewership is still climbing. So it's not like people are dropping off the show. It's only getting more eyes uh, watching this show, which I mean, that's great. We've got a hit on our hands. This is fantastic.
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm glad to see the, that that viewership just keeps climbing and it just makes sense that, that HBO would have would have renewed this thing right away. I mean, they they knew when the first episode dropped that they had a hit on their hands and then each successive episode has just confirmed that. And so it's, it's like start getting your ducks in a row and get us that second season sooner rather than later because we want to strike while the iron's hot.
0: Well, and the thing is with people that are watching the show – and I've seen, we've seen it with so many other programs that are out there where it's like you watch the first full season, you're waiting around for that announcement, and then you get a cancellation announcement. And so, you know what I mean? Or, or you're worried about it getting a second season to begin with. Like, why should I start this show when things are getting canceled left and right? You know, I was watching Minx and then I find out Minx gets canceled. I'm glad another – somebody else picked it up, which is great. But – On the flip side, this basically is assuring us as viewers, like, hey, don't worry. There's more to come. Keep
1: watching. Keep watching.
0: Yeah, you don't have to worry about it. This is a stress-free zone. You're going to get a second season. So that's awesome. My my little
3: two cents about the second season, I think if they were smart, I mean, the three of us at least, when we talk rings of power and such, and now we're waiting a while now for season two. There is 0% chance that they can fit all of the second game into a second season like they did with the first game. So I would hope that maybe they – I they, they could have said it was renewed for two more seasons and no one would have blinked an eye. I really do think it would make more sense for them to try to do some more of a season three at the same time of filming season two. Not like they won't get renewed again, but – just for the continuity of the story and not letting too much time pass.
0: And people are going to be aging, you know? I mean, just so, I mean, well, yeah, naturally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at those Stranger kid, Stranger Things kids, you know? So, <laughs> yeah.
2: Dude, on, on that same Stranger Things hit there, uh, so Linda Ronstadt's long, long time got that same bump that uh, Kate Bush was running up that hill got from the popularity in uh, season four of Stranger Things. That's awesome. And uh, from an article written earlier today on what what is this nerdbot.com it says linda ronstadt's long long time sees a 4900 percent streaming bump wow (laughs)
3: let's go get that money girl
2: no shit right i mean this song's been stuck in my head nonstop since i watched this on monday and so i can only imagine it's like that for the millions of other viewers that have watched this and they're jumping on spotify wanting to listen to it
0: yeah yeah oh god that's excellent it was wild when that uh running up that hill song you know hit popularity with stranger things i'm one of those rare people that still listen to like local radio um albeit i do listen through tune in fm so i can listen to any station that's you know um right there on my iphone but uh They started that and they're basically like, you know, 70s, 80s and 90s. They started playing Running Up That Hill because of the popularity. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. It's it was wild. It was just crazy. Everybody was everybody was listening to that song. And I don't know why it didn't hit before. But I just think with like, isn't that crazy? Just how like a song be when you put it into uh, some form of media, like an excellent show like this, it kind of like. I don't know, you connect with that song because you connect with that show, and then all of a sudden you're a fan of that song. And now, just like with um, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody, that song was never a hit until it showed up in Wayne's World.
3: Yeah. Better, like Journey, like Don't Stop Believing became big in the last, like, ten years. It's an old song. Yeah. It's like a pop hit
2: now. So I mean, that makes sense. You tie two different things together that trigger empathic responses in the brain, the way that like a good TV show will, the way good music does the way that those things tie to memories in your brain. And you put those things both in the same cart and let them roll together. It's going to be pretty powerful.
0: Yeah. Great episode of television guys. I'm so Billy, I'm glad you could make it, man.
2: Yeah, that was exciting. That was a
3: last second make, but I'm really appreciative that the call was still alive so I could jump in.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we will be back next week with episode four. I haven't watched any of the trailers for the next episode, so I don't know what's happening. Have you guys watched it?
2: Yeah, I did. Yeah. It looks like they're going to get into some car trouble right away going through a city. And and they're going to be yeah, tangled up with some that. people living in that city. It's it looks like it's going to be a tense, action packed episode.
3: Oh, man. I, I didn't watch wait. the trailer, but I just know like immediately what happens when they leave the house, like the next event. So I'm I think the next episode will be different. Uh, will be a change of pace for sure.
0: We will be back next week. We'll be talking about that one. I want to thank my co-hosts on this episode. Joe, great job. You can listen to me and Joe. On Pop Culture Leftovers, we talk about all the newest TV and movies that are out, uh, with a heavy focus on Marvel, DC, and Star Wars. And I'm getting the chance to see Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania on February 13th, a full four days, I believe it hits theaters. And so I'll be jumping on an episode of Pop Culture Leftovers. And giving my reaction, not not spoilers, but my reaction to Ant-Man and the Lost Quantumania. So if you wanted to check that out, you can look forward to that in the coming weeks. Uh, Melissa Slaughter, you do a podcast. Tell us about it.
1: It is called Wild Pretty Things. I am the co-host. We are currently still working through our top films of 2022. And then we'll be moving on to some other fun movie coverage after that.
0: And Billy, you're on YouTube, The Reality Guys. Talk to us about The Reality Guys.
3: Uh, host of The Reality Guys on YouTube. We cover everything and anything reality TV, long form and short videos. Uh, everything from The Bachelor to Below Deck. Things like Milf Manor, Jersey Shore, Married at First Sight. Anything that you can think of, we probably cover it in some form and fashion. You can find The Reality Guys on YouTube, TikTok, any type of
0: social media as well. And you'll find us here next week with a brand new episode. See you then. See ya.
2: Later. Peace. Bye.